This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Thursday, September 2nd. We are three days away from Notre Dame opening the 2021 season. Notre Dame visits Doak Campbell Stadium. Somebody wrote Doak Walker. I almost said that. Doak Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee. Notre Dame is seven-point favorite over under 55 and a half. I'm joined by Tim O'Malley. We expect Pete Sampson to be joining us, and I see him now, so he is on board. Uh, Tim, just some of your thoughts uh, as as you go into this this game and where you think um, this game is headed. Well, I think you you start to overanalyze everything now. You realize, hey, they brought in two veteran SEC uh, defensive ends, and and that can be a problem because Notre Dame has two new tackles. You know, you look at boy, you kind of overlook the fact this is you mentioned it the first game since Bobby Bowden passed away, and the emotions are going to be running really high. And then the flip side, you just think of all the redshirt freshmen that start on Florida State's offensive line and Dylan Gibbons, who wouldn't have started at Notre Dame. And you think of Notre Dame's strength being the front seven. And the number one thing Florida State has going for them is emotion and atmosphere and a fresh start. And the number one thing Notre Dame has going for them is their culture over five years, and they don't need a fresh start. They are walking in, and they have played in worse against much better than this. We we are indeed joined by Pete Sampson from uh, Michiana Regional Airport. <laughs> Getting ready to head out. Oh, you're on mute also. <laughs> I'm uh, coming to you from Terminal D of the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. Oh, oh nice. you're, you're down there. Okay. Right. Yes. Uh, so I'm thinking circuitous routes to Nashville and then Nashville to uh, to Tallahassee. But, yeah, it's, I mean, Brian Kelly said it last week. I think what he said today, you know, mentioned the Bowden stuff. Malin makes a great point. Like, it all feels very Louisville-esque. Uh, from two years ago, uh, and that the game where you, Notre Dame needed some time to sort of figure things out while the game played out. And I think that's probably what's going to happen on Sunday night as well. That's okay. It might be stressful as you watch the first quarter, um, but I do think ultimately in the second half, that's when you sort of see talent separate from talent. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I mean, I, I, I agree with the comparison. I thought that was a good comparison when he mentioned it. I, I, I do think that this you know, we're talking about the, the the new Notre Dame over the last four years, so we're two years deeper into it now. And I and I just think that they're much better prepared for that situation. But not, you know, night game, the, the whole Bobby Bowden thing, I don't like that from Notre Dame's perspective. The first game that they play since Bobby Bowden's death is against Notre Dame at home. You know, just just factors like that, especially in an opener on the road at night. Uh, but you know, having said that. <laughs> This is in this is in a, a little preview to the Thursday thoughts. Uh, Florida State has in the last uh, since 2017. Florida State has lost more games by 21 points plus than they have single digits. They've lost they've lost 13 games by 21 points or more, and some of those are 40 or more. And they've lost nine games by single digits. So they're not even they haven't even been coming close yeah. in, in most instances. So. You know, and Tim, I agree with you. I think I think this is culture, culture, culture. Notre Dame has a winning culture, uh, and Florida State clearly has a losing culture right now. And I, I think that that's that's a significant advantage for Notre Dame. And then the scales get even a little bit just by the scenario that that Notre Dame is going into. I mean, I expect a heck of a crowd because last year, you know, there was really nothing. Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't I don't remember what they had if they had anybody in there. But if, in 2019. Culture was absolutely, I mean, they were, that was, there was their low point, the 18-19 range. And you're, you know, you bring Miami in, you lose by 17 in 2019. You bring Clemson in and you lose by, what was it, 59 to 
seven. What was those are the these are the big games that Florida State has had in the last few years. I don't. When's the last time they had a game to get up for the fans? So I expect the fans to be delirious. I just think Notre Dame can settle it and handle that. I, I bet it is an awesome atmosphere. And um, Brian Kelly mentioned they're bringing 80 players on this trip. It's, they usually bring 65 to 70. They're bringing 80 players. So a lot of, I think it's probably everybody that's that's in good standing academically and is healthy. He wants them to see that atmosphere and it'll right. probably be a good one. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great that they're going to do that. Uh, we, has Florida, I mean, Florida state, have they actually named a starting quarterback? I, I, I mean, I think it's they have not like, yeah, Norvell said today, like they'll announce the starter when he runs out of the tunnel. Well, I, it's going to be Jordan Travis. I, yeah. I, mean, I would, yes. I would bet on that. I don't think that yes. Mackenzie Milton talk about two guys who have first name, last name interchangeable. I have to keep looking at it. Jordan Travis and Mackenzie <laughs> Milton. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm probably going to screw that up in some instant analysis somewhere here along the way this weekend. But uh, no, I think it's I think it'll be Travis. I, he did some good things against Nordame last year. Mackenzie Milton is, I mean, everything that I'm hearing is he's just not he's not completely healthy. And so the whole idea of playing both, I'm not even sure that's going to happen. I could be very wrong on this, but I think it's going to be it's going to be Jordan Travis. I think it's Travis, and the one thing that. The, the real advantage Milton could provide is, you know, if Jordan Travis gets hurt, Mackenzie Milton is probably a pretty good guy to bring in a spark. He's played in a lot of these situations as well. If It's not great when one of your advantages is your backup quarterback. I don't think uh, when you're going into a game, but I, I mean, I think, I think he's capable, but you're right, Tim. I think it's pretty clear. Jordan Travis is going to, is going to be the quarterback of record in this game, right? The yeah. guy that they lean on. Well, and you know, I mean, if Milton's healthy, I mean, that's a, what, like an 8,000-yard passer in college with 72 touchdown yeah, passes. Yeah, so that's why, you know, when you first heard about him transferring, you thought, okay, well, that will really get their offense going if you can put a, you know, a, 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 a passing threat like that into the lineup. And really, and we, we'll get into it more in the second segment, but, uh, uh, you know, Travis did pretty well for in a football last year, at least statistically. I like Travis. Yeah, and you then like he them? ran it like, as well. I, I came out of that game thinking like, well, at least they have a quarterback figured yeah. out. Um, and I was, I was surprised like this season went a little sideways later. Yeah, it didn't play out that way necessarily yeah, right. the rest of right. the year because he only completed like 54% of his passes and he six touchdowns, six interceptions, which is just a, an, an, an ugly touchdown to interception yeah. ratio. So we'll see. But he is uh, he's established and he gained some confidence last year and he has two in Toafili and, and Corbin. You know, he has two pretty darn good backs, Toafili being more of the breakaway guy. He didn't have a ton of carries last year, but averaged almost 10 yards per carry. So, you know, he's a threat, and Corbin gives you a little bit of size there and, and a little bit of pounding. Now, we talk about Notre Dame's offensive line being inexperienced. There are some young people all over the place uh, for, for Florida State's offensive line. Dylan Gibbons enters the starting lineup with one in his career, and then I see – uh, two redshirt freshmen, a sophomore, Devontae Love Taylor's coming off a knee injury. He's a he's a grad transfer. Um, so they have, you know, they have their issues. And you want to talk about a bad matchup, it's Florida State's offensive line against Notre Dame's defensive front. Yeah, I do think and even all that said, they're probably better offensive line than they were last year. It's just, it's just a weird world we live in with Florida State. It is Tim, when you point that out, the blowout losses, and I I was just looking to see, like, what what's the last game the crowd was really crazy for? I mean, I'm sure they were pretty excited when Miami came to town two years ago, but 
unranked Miami compared to this, you know, this is, it's, but it, it speaks to where Florida state is as a program. It is, they are very, they're high on their wide receivers. They're all young guys. that are going to probably be good players. But like you pointed out, Andrew Parchman is from Kansas. You can find good players everywhere, but where's Florida State mining Kansas for a graduate transfer? Especially for a skill, a skill yeah. position yeah. player. That's, it's just a, I'm not saying he can't play. Like we were right. we joke, well, Notre Dame was going for a Tulsa corner, but like you don't go for the Tulsa corner when you have Troy Pride and Julian Love. So you're not going for guys all over the place when you have your normal set of skill positions. It's a weird world. I do think Florida State is, is turning the corner in year two in Norvell. And if they're not, they don't turn the corner in year two and three. I mean, that's. It's just a, it's, it becomes a very long streak of multiple coaches. And I, I, I have a feeling if he got through last year with COVID and all the off the field stuff that he's, he's probably got them on the upswing, but. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same way. Like I feel like Notre Dame is going to learn a lot about itself in the game and improve during the game. Florida state is probably going to have to take stock of whatever the hell happens on Sunday night and then learn from it over the next month or so. Um, you know, it's just, it's just sort of like a, a situation where I, as you, you guys have mentioned, like the culture is not there yet. Um, it's not going to get there on Sunday night, but it can probably learn a lot about itself as well. And I don't want to underestimate, you know, I, I mean, I think the perception is that Florida State's offensive line has been horrible and I, they gave up 29 sacks in nine games last year. So I get that. But, you know, I, I think I said on Monday, you do not, you don't average 5.1 yards per carry over the course of a nine game season, unless right. you're doing something right. And I, I think that speaks to, it, it certainly speaks to Travis's ability to run from the quarterback position, Corbin to Ophelia. Uh, but it, it's, it has to says, say a little bit about the offensive line as well. So we'll see where we go from there. Uh, we have uh, plenty of topics brought up by our readers in segment two. We'll join you uh, on burning up the boards here in a moment. Let Irish Express take care of your game day travel. Ride in style to South Bend from Chicago by motor coach with a full bartender, bathroom, and Wi-Fi. Upon arrival, enjoy an all-inclusive tailgate, and after the game, head back with refreshments. Visit irishexpress.com to book your reservation today and save 10% when using the code IRISH21. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from RKID001. With some NFL teams using the preseason to have assistance other than lead coordinators call plays as preparation for COVID during the preseason. Which Nordam assistants are first in line after Freeman and Reese? Would BK take the offense as to Mike Elson would take the defense? Yeah, I think we got a hint of it with Reese out. Um, I think yeah. it would be Lance Taylor and BK, right? BK would just be a little yep. more involved in the game plan. Um, maybe he would call the plays too, but Lance Taylor would run it. Got to be Mike Elston, right? This is I, Mike Elston. You know, I, yeah, I would, I would think it'd be Mike Elston, but I, I would be willing to bet just in conversation with Freeman about Chris O'Leary up in the press box, I would be willing to bet at a young age that he could handle himself pretty well in that situation. Now they wouldn't do that. I wouldn't think they would. Elston they would has have, called plays. Yes. Elston has called yeah. plays and certainly they would go in that direction, but I think Chris O'Leary is trending in, in, in that direction. And, and I know Marcus Freeman has, a great deal of trust in his set of eyes upstairs, which by the way, there was some question a while back when we talked to him about who would be joining O'Leary upstairs. It will be Mike Mickens. If you saw the, saw the That's mention right. of that in, in, in Notre Dame's release, but yeah, Lance Taylor is the, he is the co-offensive coordinator. So certainly he would be involved with, with Brian Kelly. BWAC 29, two questions, which matchups are you most excited to see? And number two, what would you need to see to let you think this team can make the playoffs? 
Well, um, Blake Fisher is going to, he's going to have a challenge in his first game, uh, not only his first game on the collegiate level, but starting for Notre Dame at, le at left tackle because uh, Jermaine Johnson, uh, the, the Georgia transfer defensive end, is probably going to be matched up against him a good portion of the time. That one jumps out at me right away. That's the first one for me. That was that was my first one as well. Um, and I, like, I'm not sure. Like, the second one would be so far off the pace from that. I'm not even yeah. sure where I would go. Um, to me, it's like I talked to Brady Quinn a little bit this week about sort of Sam Young, 2006, going to Georgia Tech against John Tenuta's defense, and he's just like they tried to overwhelm him every way humanly possible and you you just have to accept that that's happening um in terms of keeping a tight end in chipping a back sliding protection you know jack Cohn's gonna have to be conscious of how do i help blake fisher i think from the beginning of the game throughout the end of it it's not going to be the same thing as it was with uh john tenuta because no one could blitz any more than john tenuta but um it's just it's just something notre dame is going to have to be aware of at all times I do want to see Cam Hart uh, and to a lesser extent, Clarence Lewis against Florida State's receivers. I mean, they're, they're a young group um, and or unproven, if not young. But I, I want to see Cam Hart be as good as everybody tells me Cam Hart can be uh, with the ball in the air and everything else. It's, mm -hmm. it's, I don't think, you know, I, I have obviously I have more faith in Clarence Lewis than I've seen Clarence Lewis play against Clemson and Alabama at this point. So I, I know at least what they're going to get out of Clarence Lewis. Uh, I'm excited to see Bracey in the nickel. And I'm, as Pete said, this is so far away from Blake Fisher against their defensive ends, but I'm trying to trying to offer a, another, uh, another example here. What about for making them? What do you need to see? Could you see something in the opener? Oh, I want to see Norm's front seven, the best unit on the field, go against Florida State's offensive line. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, Notre Dame should have a significant advantage there. For me personally, I don't, think there's anything that can happen in an opener against Florida state that's lost 26 times in the last four years for me to come away saying that Notre Dame is going to make the playoffs. I, I just don't think anything you know, like that will, will happen. I think if we saw the nickel look like it did in that scrimmage where Notre Dame's rotating people and they just, you're like, Oh my gosh, look at all those bodies collapsing all over the place. Uh, if you saw that from the defense in this game in a real game, I would think to myself, ooh, they got they got something going here. Yeah. And then you still need to score 30. I, I want to see I passes. I want to see passes broken broken up by Notre Dame's corners. Not bad throws by Travis, not overthrows, not behind. I want to see plays made by Notre Dame's corners on the ball because they're 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 going to press, they're going to be in man, and they're really going to be challenged. And really, and this is last year at this time, or last year when Notre Dame was getting ready to play Florida State. On paper, you looked at that defensive line. It's like, my God, this is this is going to be a handful. It looks that way again right now with Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas, the the transfers. They're really good uh, between the ends, similar to Notre Dame, or at least on paper with uh, Lovett and Briggs and Cooper. Those are three really dynamic defensive tackles. So. Really, the entire matchup against Notre Dame's offensive line, Zeke Corral playing guard for the first time at this level. Um, you know, Kane Madden playing against this level of competition. Josh Lug now a full-time starter. I just think those are all uh, those are all real challenges for Notre Dame. Hey, you had a playoff comment, right? Throw, yeah, it's like if if Notre Dame's offense was like if they put up like 48 on Louisville, if Jack Cohn threw for 300 yards, and you're like, 
how do you even match up with this? I mean, it would, it would have to be beyond the pay, like blow all of our minds, but like, to me, that would say more about Notre Dame's playoff potential than anything that would happen on defense, because I think to make the playoff and compete in there, you have to be able to just route people offensively where you just have matchup problems all over the field. And I mean, they, if Reese calls the perfect game, like they do have matchup problems all over the field. So that, yeah. that would be something that would move the needle for me. I, well, and, I, I, that's a good point. I think Pete, but I think I would need to see that against Wisconsin or Cincinnati once you get oh, into yeah, that level, sure. you know, Sure, but that it's would like also you, mean Pete's way would mean the offensive line did a heck of a job against those yeah, defensive ends. Yeah, so no, that, that's that true. That no, that's up. true. That's true. That point point taken there, no doubt. Jim underscore Booney underscore CRS. If you are Marcus Freeman, how would you game plan for a mobile quarterback like Jordan Travis? Would you give any credence to the reports of his improved passing abilities? I've always found it difficult to game plan for mobile quarterbacks from my couch and film reviews because I just find <laughs> <laughs> college football is all about mobile quarterbacks unless you're Mac Jones throwing to mobile 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 weapons so yeah it, it's a it's a great question um I think Maris Leofau would have been involved in that I, I think pressuring Jordan Travis is and making him run as opposed to letting him dictate it he, he had 100 yards rushing last year because he was able to dictate when he was wanting to run I don't think it was a lot of scramble yards um and I don't I don't want to go put too much into that game for either side. I mean, Florida state played hard and well, and just kept giving up touchdowns to Notre Dame. And if you look at it, all those guys are back for Notre Dame. Michael Mayer scored. Chris Tyree scored on touch. Ty, Williams scored. Didn't, didn't, isn't that Lindsay's only touchdown? Uh, he did score last year. State, I mean, it's, sure, yeah. and then Florida state, like no, they were going against the Notre Dame team that had been three weeks off for COVID too. And then Florida state obviously had was quit, you know, missed a million games of COVID last year. It's a weird it's weird for me to look at Jordan Travis, but I, I think limiting him a little bit on the ground is going to be important. I, yeah, it's like you said it. Everyone has a mobile quarterback now. So just like game planning for a mobile quarterback is just game yeah. planning. I don't, you know, we're not talking about Denard Robinson. Yeah, right. I don't, yeah, and I don't, I don't put a ton of credence in the concept or the thought that he's improved that much passing wise. I think maybe he has. He should have greater chemistry with Ontario Wilson and Keyshawn Helton. Um, you know, I don't doubt that they have a, they have a, a nice tight end uh, as well. Um, it, they have a couple tight ends, but but Cameron McDonald's pretty good. Uh, but I, you know, I think keep him in the pocket. I, keep him force Jordan Travis to prove that he it can be a drop back quarterback. Uh, don't let him escape outside. Tim, your point's taken there because it's difficult to do that. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to, I'm not putting but guys like, you know, guys like Kaiser, you know, Kaiser yeah. is very, uh, having talked to him the other day, very aware of being the, you know, setting the edge and not letting, you know, containment outside. So um, I think if you, if you make Jordan Travis prove himself from the pocket that, you know, throwing the football, I think, I think Notre Dame's going to have a pretty good night. And I'm not putting Jim Booney in this uh, category, but I do like Notre Dame fans worried about a mobile quarterback, yet they couldn't wait to get rid of the most mobile quarterback they'll ever see in their lives. So was... <laughs> Jordan Travis is not Ian Book when he escapes. So. Neither is Jack Cohn. No, he's not. No. But hope he can throw. Piper to Irish, which Florida State quarterback gives Notre Dame the biggest headache? If the Seminoles win, what did the quarterback do effectively to give Notre Dame a season opening loss? Well, I think, you know, I, I think it's, it, I think it's Jordan Travis unless you have a completely healthy Mackenzie Milton and he's throwing the ball all over the yard. I don't think he's completely healthy. I, you know, I think both can be, 
Both can be problematic. I think the more mobile is more problematic, especially with Notre Dame's defensive line, uh, you know, against uh, Florida State's offensive line. But I can see merits for both if if uh, if Milton is healthy. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. It's like a healthy Milton, which is not the case, would be a real problem because he's just a the guy's a baller. Um, yeah. But it's just that's not who he is anymore. So it's, it's probably Travis. And I think if Notre Dame has an opening loss, the quarterback we're talking about is Jack Cohn. Yes. I, you know, I, I think that that would be he's under such duress or he just I, I, I would never just say Jack Cohn doesn't have a good game. He's under such duress that he doesn't have the game where Notre Dame can score 30 points. I, I don't I really don't think we're going to leave here and say Notre Dame lost that game because they couldn't stop a Florida State quarterback. If they lose, that, that wouldn't be the guy for me. Yeah. And, and you know, if Cone's under duress, then Tommy Reese is going to have to be creative. He's going to have to get the football out of out of his hands quickly and get the ball in the hands of, you know, a Lindsay or a Davis or some of the, you know, the underneath Kyron stuff. Williams. Kyron Williams, yeah. certainly. You know, I mean, I can see I can see uh, an, an undisciplined Florida State defense getting upfield like crazy and you're dumping the ball over the middle, and all of a sudden their, their linebackers are in space having to make plays. I like their linebackers, um, and but I like, their, I like their defensive line last year too, and they gave up 5.1 yards per carry. So I think, you know, probably you get that, you get that defensive line getting upfield. If, if your offensive line is struggling a little bit with a pass rush, I think there are ways that Tommy Reese can still create some big plays, even if that offensive line is is still getting its uh, sea legs. I think we all have the same answer to this one, so we'll do it fast. Not Jay Tafel one. Which Florida State unit do you think will give Notre Dame the most trouble? Yeah, I think I think it's Florida State's defensive line. I agree. Yeah, especially on the edge. And then it's yeah, here we go. Josh Lug, fifth year, played a lot of good foot or played a lot of foot, a lot of important football. This is. He should have a good day. If Josh well, Lug needs to have a good day. And he's at the position where he has absolutely right. played his best football. It's been yes. two years, two years removed, but I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I picked this question because it was a good one, and I love the name. Two whiskeys <laughs> deep. Do you foresee any bumps in the road against Florida State with Coach Freeman implementing his defensive scheme? I don't know, Pete Sampson. Yes. You're, tra- you're traveling, Pete. Is two whiskeys deep going to be a situation this evening, or are yeah. you, uh, you, you're still working until tomorrow? No, no, I think that will definitely be a situation this evening. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's the first game of a new scheme on the road. Like, you've got corners that we've got questions about. You've got a new starting inside linebacker, a new rover who's capable. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this isn't going to look like a, 200 yard three point performance from Notre Dame's defense. I don't think anybody's expecting that. So it's, I think so much about what happens Sunday night is going to be how Notre Dame adjusts and learns from it. Yeah. More so than just sort of evaluating it in a vacuum. We talked about, you know, the, the press coverage, the man coverage uh, from Notre Dame's corners. That could potentially be a, a concern, uh, especially in an opener like this. All the play, all the defensive players talk about the freedom that they have and how it's more simplified than it was with Clark Lee. I, you know, I, I, I guess with that in mind, you'd be a little bit more concerned about, you know, Clark Lee's being uh, Clark Lee's defense being a little bit more complicated. Nordin was able to adjust to that pretty well, so. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it starts on the edges for me. I, I, I want to see PBUs, man. If you're making plays, 
if you're making plays on tight coverage, uh, then you're making significant progress. I had this thought the other day. You you would never think Notre Dame would cut someone loose with Clark <laughs> Lee, so you got to hope they don't cut more than one person loose in this game with Coach Freeman to try to learn that scheme. Right. Pin and pull. Who's credited with Notre Dame's first touchdown, and how does he score? Uh, I'm, I'm going. I'm going with with what we just said in mind. I'm going with Braden Lindsay. Something they dump off underneath and and uh, from the red zone, and he he scoots past the the linebackers and and gets into the uh, gets into the Florida State secondary for a touchdown. Uh, I will go with Michael Mayer with a 27 yard TD reception. Nice. I'm going with Mayer or Salerno. One of the two. Salerno Yo. taking a punt all the way back, yeah, or, or, back. or working from else. the slot, working yeah. from the slot. <laughs> no, but he is a good little slot. He is a good slot receiver, but I don't think there's a lot of playing time for him out there. No, I, I do think Michael Mayer, um, in good health, that record's falling. It's only six TDs. It's happening. I'm saying it again. It's got to. It has to. Well, if not this year, next year. It 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 has to in one of the next two years. Yes. All right. uh, Good question here from Irish Cowboy eighty eight. Pete, I know you don't have our list, but the question is, who's your pick for Notre Dame Cinderella man this season? A kid, no one but his mother, and even she has doubts. (laughs) Thinks is going to contribute to the Irish football team in twenty twenty one. Pick somebody from outside your top forty four player rankings. So you really got to dig deep because. I mean, J.D. Bertrand was outside of our top 44, just barely. Uh, Colsey, you know, you can name some players that we had listed in the 40s and 50s, but somebody that even their mother doesn't think is going to score or, or 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 do something dramatic for Notre Dame. I mean, is, can we not pick Bertrand because it's just too obvious? Yeah, because well, because his mother knows he's starting. So okay, good point. Good point. Um, well, I mean, get back to O'Malley's uh, Salerno pick for the first touchdown. That might be uh, might be the way to go. That's a tough one. I mean, you know, Moala was outside it. Mm. Um, people have faith in Moala, though. That's not a if he's healthy, he's like you know, people have faith in him. Uh, I, you know what? Maybe Nana Osama yeah. Mensa. We had him all the way down at fifty five, and he's a number two. He could be. Uh, He's a true number two. I'm sure Justin Adamiola will play that side as well. So I guess he's a two B, but uh, there's one. Yikes. I mean, I guess we had Lacey right on the cusp of it, but he's got a, you know, he's I mean, what about the you know. Ramon Henderson? Like he might get some work. Um, yeah. He's right there. 49. Good call. But see those guys are, I mean, he's like, he's a number two. I, I And Tim, I don't know if you're looking at our list. I mean, I started at the, I, I started now, at the yeah, bottom yeah. and worked my way up and we had, and I don't think this is going to happen. I, I, and I am hoping that it doesn't either, but I mean, we, I, we have Josh Bryan at number 88. And so it would require a real struggle by Jonathan door in order to replace him. But I mean, Brian is a, a, a pretty uncomplicated kicker. He's an end over end kicker and pretty accurate. He doesn't have uh, the distance that door does, but we had him listed at number 88. And then I looked down, I mean, Caleb Offord, uh, he he flashed, and Brian Kelly mentioned him. We had him number 76. Brian Barnes at number 70. I don't know how much he's going to participate, maybe on special teams. I think with one running – if one running back gets hurt, you could have Diggs come in and make yeah, a now I, I in a single Yeah, I, 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 he's too pr- prominently known now. That's why I exclude him. But he, he yeah. was down further on the list. What about – I mean – 
is this even possible? I, I know they love Joe Alt, and I know he's a true freshman. But if something were to happen to, to Lug, could Alt actually compete with Tosh Baker for that spot? You want to talk about it? I hope we don't find that out. Wow. No, I, I boy, hear you. That's, I hear that's something I want to find out. <laughs> I hear you. But it was a good question. It, it uh, prompted me to start at the back of the list as opposed to, yeah. you know, just after 44. Question from right. Records 33 Hot. What needs to happen this season for you to feel like Notre Dame took a step forward to close the gap with Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State? I, it, I go back to what I said about what would I see on Sunday that would make me think Notre Dame was more likely to make the playoff. The offense just was on fire. Um, that that's what would bring me around to like, oh, maybe this team is is closing the gap. And, and bottom line would be win a playoff game against anyone, anyone, any yep. any anybody in there. Doesn't matter if it's not one of those three teams. You win a playoff game, play for the championship. You you've closed the gap a little bit. That's why people give Georgia so much credit for well, in recruiting for closing the gap is they they won a playoff game and they won a heck of a playoff game and almost won a championship. So I think <laughs> probably, it's probably put it up on the board at this point. <laughs> I'm looking at this question from a, a bigger picture perspective, and, and that is this, and I say it all the time. After 2015, knowing what Notre Dame lost, you know, the attrition. If if we see evidence that, wow, attrition, you know, Notre Dame is now trending more towards Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, in that you can lose a lot of guys and still come back the next year and look like still basically the same dominant or quality team. Mm-hmm. So if the offensive line hit the ground running this year and played more like a veteran unit, and we've been talking since January that it wasn't, that wasn't probably it wasn't going to happen. That to me would tell me, okay, they're recruiting well enough. They have enough depth where they aren't rebuilding. They are reloading on, on a yearly yeah. basis. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that will happen. I'm not convinced that's going to happen, but for me, it would be more of a bigger picture thing. Uh, as far as how they deal with attrition. From Swarbrick for Prez, if you could write Brian Kelly's pregame speech, what would you say and why? I, well, I, I would use words that Brian Kelly can't use because he's filmed now every time he talks to his team in the, in the locker room. Um, <laughs> but nothing works better than a few poignant words to your team. Um, but, you know, I, I, no, I would, I would emphasize what, what we were talking about culture. I, I mean, you, 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 you deserve to win this football game. Uh, we are a better program. We're better prepared. We know we're better than them. Some things along those lines, because that that's what differentiates these two teams that Notre Dame knows that they're a winning team and a winning culture and Florida state does not. I don't know what the pregame speech would be, but I would love it if it was something lifted straight from Ted Lasso. <laughs> it won't be on well, video. It's, if it is, it is. It's yeah, it's hard. <laughs> That's hard to beat. Nor, nor will any of the players know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I think you're right, though, Tim. That it's. I mean, you're you you are the better team. They are going to make some plays, but we are going to make the plays. We are going to make the plays that matter. We were, we respond to anything that happens to us. And I mean, all all the things that he's done a really great job of emphasizing in over the last four years. No matter what happens in the first half, generally speaking, he comes in at halftime. And, and handles it calmly and intelligently and appeals to their uh, good sense. And they, they generally stabilize and get things done in the second half. 
Next from TDISU19, how does Dope Campbell Stadium's atmosphere compare to other environments you've been in? And also, do they have cherry Coke in the press box? That's a good question. I don't recall. Only you can answer that. The no, you know, part. I haven't had a cherry Coke in a press box since 2019 home game either. It's been since senior day because I nothing there for Notre Dame last year. Could not hey. really find a reason to complain last year. Did not want to complain about that. Yeah. I mean, Dope Campbell Stadium, when Florida State's Florida State, it's... You know, I thought it, it was be, great in 14. I thought it was a great yeah, experience. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it can be an extremely difficult environment. That was that would be the most, not so much when Arnaz Battle was was running through their secondary in the early 2000s. But, um, the upper deck was a good atmosphere then with all the Notre Dame fans in Return to Glory green shirts. <laughs> Arnaz Battle's game. That was a lot of Notre Dame fans there. Yeah, day. yeah. You know, I, I mean, I don't think it's – I don't know what your perspective is, Pete. I don't think it's overwhelming. I do. The 2014 atmosphere was really great. Yeah, I, I mean, I it, it's good, very very good, um, but would not crack my list of like these are the top five road atmospheres that I've seen Notre Dame play in. Right. I would not and, say that yet, but I bet it's better, even better than fourteen. I bet it will be really good at the beginning of the game. Well, yeah, at the beginning of the game, mm. it probably will be. But if they come out flat and they're en route to another one of their, uh, you know, twenty-one point plus losses, you can see the crowd turning. You know turning on them early and saying same as last year, year before, I, year before. I want to throw this story in there because every time I can talk about Will Fuller, I want to do it, as Peter knows. At that game in 14, when we were down for the last drive, we were on the field. It's second and 19. They get it, they get it to the second 19, second and 20, must have been second and 20 with a penalty. And Ronald Darby's lined up across from Will Fuller, and the crowd is going crazy at this point because that's the end of a game with, you know, protecting a touchdown lead. And Will Fuller – raises his hands to get the crowd louder, beats Darby for an 18-yard game. Like, that dude can play because he was a true sophomore too. So I do like the atmosphere down there, but Will Fuller did too. Okay, we're going to jump into our last question and get the predictions. Samson's got a plane to catch here. The question from Hayden Adam Z. It's the season opener, so anything can happen. As you look back on the season, do you think this game is more likely to be indicative of how Notre Dame looks throughout the season or an outlier performance in a weird road Sunday night spot? I I'm I'm hitting pause on the first game as predictive of the rest of the season yeah, for this year, just because I, I think this team is built so differently. Um, you know, it, it, it's strong at the skill positions line has room, room and needs to grow. I, I think this will be one of the teams that has to improve a lot during the year, maybe more than in some of those other teams where the first game sort of gave you a preview about what's to come for the next three months. So I, I, I think Notre Dame will win, but I think that Notre Dame will ultimately be a better team as you look over the course of the season than what they show on Sunday. There's not, I don't think there's a Notre Dame win that could make me think they won't just grow and become a good team during the season. Um, clearly there's a Notre Dame loss that could make you think they could, they might not grow and become a good team, but I don't think there's a version of a Notre Dame victory where I don't think, all right, they got out of Florida state. Here's what's going to work on. You'll see a totally different team in three weeks, not or just yep. a, a team that keeps progressing over the time. I think it's a one-off. I agree. I, I think this could look a little sloppy. Uh, I think, and that's why all of us, it appears are picking under in this game. So maybe that, you know, maybe that means, uh, you know, turnovers, but I, I can't help but look at this more from a coach's perspective. And that is just get, just come away with a win. Just go down there and play solid when you have to, when the game is on the line and come away with a win. I, I know a lot of people are expecting, um, you know, a, a, a 
pretty significant disparity in scores, but I, I, I don't think any of us are, are looking at that. So uh, I don't think it will be indicative of what happens. And I agree with Samson that, you know, moving forward, this is a team that will continue to get better on a, on a weekly basis. Predictions from you two guys and mine will come on Friday. Uh, I am Notre Dame 28, Florida State 17. I I think it's going to just have like a lot of Louisville vibes, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I, there's a, I guess there's a way I could see Notre Dame losing this game, but I'm pretty confident that they won't. Um, I just think that, you know, the culture is better. The experience is better. The coaching staff is better. Um, Notre Dame is built to win these games. Uh, that's why they've won 30, 32 straight against unranked competition. Um, and so I think that will move to 33 and then they'll have a lot of stuff to work on moving forward. Yeah. I'm, I'm close to your score. I am in the uh, 31 to 17 range. Uh, these are Notre Dame's last 10 road game point totals, not in order. 31, 45, 31, 45, 38, 45, 35, all wins. And we remember 14 in Ann Arbor and 23 with a heck of a defense in Georgia. I do not foresee a 14. If it's a 23, they're in a little bit of trouble. I think, would you agree with that, Tim? Uh, yeah, but I think they get more than that. So yeah, I, I don't, I, not, not a lot more than that. Uh, I think people will find that your prediction, my prediction are end up being pretty similar. Um, no, I mean, it. um, I just don't, I, I just, in a season opener, too many things can happen, especially on road and environment where the crowd's going crazy. If for nothing else at the beginning, um, sharing their love and devotion to the patriarch of Florida state football, Bobby Bowden. Yeah. So that'll create a great, good atmosphere. Second pre- touchdown rule guys. It's coming into second, effect in this game. Second Big. touchdown rule Big. is in play as O'Malley has stated. I agree with that. We will, Tim and I will talk to you from uh, Dope Campbell Stadium late afternoon, early evening, Sunday night. Thanks for joining us.